Okay, hello, hello. Dashiell Miller here from Warrior Concepts, and welcome to episode 157 of Kuden Radio, podcast for us, right? Serious martial artists, self-defense practitioners, and people who just want to get the most out of things, create the life they've always dreamed of living, and having the skills necessary to protect that life from anything that might, um, I don't know, threaten it. Anyway, all right, so uh, we're going to do another personal development one here, well, kind of. Kind of, right? it'll it'll jump around, right? So James is still with us, so uh, you know nothing. He, he didn't get yanked back into the matrix, right? So that's all cool. Anyway, so um, what I want to take a look at today is this idea of of thinking like a ninja, right? Um, you know, there's ninja this, ninja that. I just saw another product that was put out the other day. I don't know if it's another blender or motorcycle or whatever the hell it is, but everybody throws this word around, right? But what the hell does that mean? Okay, so we're going to talk about that and much more when we get back. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Really? No. <laughs> anyway, hey, James is on. James, let's, let's fire you up here. So uh, this episode brought to you by a freaking conversation that James and I had the other morning. So um, anyway, um, I'm, I'm going to be referring to a couple of books uh, that were very, very influential uh, and important for me in understanding this art. Um, often some of these things don't they don't go over very well, right? And it's not that they'll go over because people people don't want the philosophy. They want the philosophy as long as they can get it via, I don't know, video or, right, if they, they're in a live training, maybe, right? Uh, what, what there ends up being is a lot of head nodding. But what I have noticed as, as I'm talking to people, they could be instructors, they could be students, potential students, whatever, along the way. What I've noticed over the years is that when I refer to books – the ones that get the most uh, affirmative response, right? The person says, yes, yes, I've read that one. Yes, I've seen that one. Yes, I have that one, right? Um, they tend to be loaded um, with a lot of pictures. And I'm not saying that, you know, people just want picture books. I mean, as in still pictures of uh, uh, techniques, of skills, right? Of things like that being demonstrated, right? What we don't see, what I don't get a lot in the affirmative is uh, or are the books that have to do with um, more of the, the mind stuff and the philosophical stuff, right? These books may have a few, right? But they're way less than uh, you might normally find, right? So... Uh, it's just really thrown off. And it's not that people didn't or don't buy the book because often people will, will jump on, right? Especially way back in the day. Um, Hatsumi Sensei couldn't put out a book or Stephen Hayes couldn't put out a book or, or any of these guys without people jumping on and grabbing the book, right? Because 
you got to have it, right? You got to have it, right? But what happens is after they buy the book, right? So I may not get a, no, I've never heard of that book before. I may get a, uh, yeah, I think I have that one. Um, I don't know that I read all of it though, right? James, you've, you've heard this, right? I mean, we get, we get emails all the time and we've had conversations with students. So, right. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? So, um, and what happens is, and I, I think there's this weird phenomenon. I've, I've read this statistic one time, not really a statistic. It's just this little neat fact, um, about, uh, people that are on the personal development could be spirituality, could be whatever. Right. Um, uh, I'm not going to use the word track because if they're on the track, then they're actually like going someplace. Right. As opposed to feeling like they're going someplace, but really they're just sitting on a bench at the station. Right. So um, in the realm of personal development, which is where I put, martial arts and self-defense as well, right? Because we are trying to recreate ourselves and uh, develop ourselves into the kind of person that we want to be or that we want to become, right? In that realm, the average person has, or the, the, the average person in the personal development realm, right? Has an average, right? Of 10 to 15 books on their bookshelf, but the average read, right, and they could have done it consecutively from page one on, or they could have just jumped around, right? The average read or amount read in any or all of those books is 19 pages. 19 pages, right? So that's barely getting through the introduction or the set, the foundation, right? Because normally chapter one is the premise behind, like the whole premise behind the problem, right? There's an introduction, sometimes called a preface or whatever, right? Where the author tells you why they bothered, right? Why they felt that this was necessary, right? And then chapter one tends to lay out the, What's the problem? What is it that we're trying to solve? Right. What's getting in the way? Those kind of things. And then it can build out from there, depending on the layout. There's a bunch of different layout formats for books, but that generally lays out the premise. Right. And then you get into the meat of it, like supporting things and all that. Right. And then you start to get into the solution and whatever. Right. But 19 pages for people that are supposed to be. I mean, think about how much money and time and effort and whatever. Right. Um, but it's, it's no different in this art. Right. So I can see where if somebody got a book like essence of needs to, right. And there's what, maybe a chapter that has uh, some photographs, right. Um, of a couple of techniques or whatever. Right. Um, and they start reading this thing and It doesn't compute, right? I remember way back in the day when I first started in this stuff, because I was, uh, you know, I came out of my background, and for those of you who know that, right, came out of this abusive background, became a police officer, and just immediately knew that the training, self-protection training, restraints, all that kind of stuff, was just not going to work for me. It just, it wasn't enough, right? I mean, six techniques for all the possible situations I could 
I could freaking end up in. I mean, that's retarded. I mean, and that's, that's as nice as I'm going to get about it. Right. So, um, you know, coming out of it and starting to look at martial arts more deeply than I did when I was in say junior high school, um, I have to admit that, you know, I would grab a book or whatever and flip back to techniques, right? Um, just to see how much was there that I think I, I, you know, could get my head wrapped around. But over time, right, because I needed to understand the whole gamut, right, I would go back and read the chapters, right? So while I may have picked it up off the bookshelf and looked for, what was priority for me at the time, which was self self defense, right? There's still all this extra stuff, right? I mean, if the t- teacher didn't think it was important, they wouldn't have put it in the damn book, right? So, anyway, so I got that. So I I can understand the mindset. What I don't understand is trying to become something, but we don't know what that something is. That makes sense. I'm looking over here because James is over here, right? But, um, and, and that was the whole premise behind me creating the uh, Nijino Hachimon program, right? We've got this, this, it started out to be a 10 week, what it turned into a, like 11 or 12 weeks because we ended up having to um, split like the Taijutsu one out and whatever, right? But anyway, now it's modules. But this Nijino Hachimon program, um, the whole premise behind it, was I found that people wanted to become this thing, but they couldn't define it. Does that sound, I don't know. Does that sound like things that are going on today, right? (laughs) So, but how do you do that, right? And then on top of that, everything gets all screwed up because we're, you know, we're uh, uh, calling anything tricky. Oh, that's so ninja. Or... We're, you know, buying the Ninja Blender, right? It'll tear up all your shit, but it's quiet, right? Or the Ninja, true story, right? Did you know that um, I'm actually like in advert in an ad, right, uh, for this vacuum cleaner, right? Now it's, you can't tell it's me because they silhouetted, they took the pictures, right, and then silhouetted it, right? But a local uh, ad agency, which have this really, they're, they're actually quite influential, right? Um, got an account for a vacuum cleaner that was being called, you get it, right? The Ninja, right? And they knew that our school was around and whatnot, and they thought it'd be a cool idea to have an actual Ninja or at least uh, you know, a silhouette of somebody in a ninja pose um, that they would overlay over this this product, right? So, ta-da! Anyway, I didn't get paid for it. I, I just thought, what the hell, you know? Anyway, I mean, that was a long time ago. But anyway, ninja motorcycle, name something, right? I mean, there was there was a there was a, a time when all this shit was just going on, right? And then Ninja Turtles and all kinds of crap coming out, right? Um, so you had cultural influences and all these things, and it just start really starts to cloud things, right? Um, on top of that, Hatsumi Sensei didn't do a lot to to address any of that, right? 
which was funny because he's bringing this stuff out of the shadows. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, right? Bringing it out of the shadows, um, but not addressing anything. He's not doing like, you know, uh, news interviews or anything like that, trying to set the story straight or anything like that, right? Well, why not? Well, uh, I've been watching things happen since 1980, right? And I've been watching changes and all that. But the one big thing that I have noticed is that as much as this stuff has come out of the shadows, so to speak, right? For those of you on audio only, making the air quotes, right? Um, it's still just as hidden as it always was, right? I think it's pretty, that's pretty freaking magical, right? For this guy to bring this stuff out, share it to millions around the world, and most people still don't know what it is. As a matter of fact, there was a certain point in time where we're all doing Nijutsu, Togakure, uh, you know, Nijutsu, and virtually the next day, two-thirds of the Bujinkan was now parroting, we don't do Nijutsu, we do Budo Tajutsu. And that wasn't the lesson, right? And I've talked about enough of that in the past. So, But, but what is this damn thing, right? And then if if we can't define it, how do we know we're doing it? How do we know that this lesson over here is a ninja lesson versus this lesson over here, which is a general warrior samurai kind of thing, right? Not that ninja are not warriors, right? There's warriors, right? And then there's this this level above them, right? And again, don't think elitists think think differently, okay? that they're not thinking conventionally, right? Um, I, I just, James and I have been talking about this lately because of all these YouTube shorts uh, that I've been putting out um, and, you know, the number of people that jump on these things and they're distracted by my weight, my age, my bald head, my, you know, whatever, right? Um, everybody knows that people fight like this, so therefore the thing you're showing would never work, right? I love that, right? Because that's one less person I need to worry about, right? Not that they're not dangerous, right? But if we fight like everybody else, and this guy's got experience, now what? Okay? He knows what we're going to do. He's prepared for that. He's defended against it before. It's harder and harder to sneak something in on him. And so, and so what we have to do is, again, what everybody else does. We have to act like a teenager and invent our own little tricky move, right? Instead of understanding where his blind spots are and just operating there, right? And and if we do that, then we force him to have to deal with us and make up the solutions to what we're doing on the spot, on the fly, under pressure. No do-overs, right? That's very, very different. Right. That's just that's very different. Right. So anyway, so there's this whole idea of thinking about it. Right. So I'm going to go back to this book that Hudson say had written a bunch of years ago. Right. If you, if you highly recommend it. Right. Essence of need to. So the way it's laid out, generally speaking, right, the the odd number chapters are actually stories. Right. They're stories from Takamasa's childhood and growing up. There's uh, stories about other past masters. So they're in the third person, 
third person, right? So it's a story, right? You're talking about this other person, right? There's no me, I, whatever, okay? And so, um, you know, unless you read it and reread it and recognize that what you're looking for is beyond the story that so-and-so did such and such and produced XYZ results, right? What you're looking at is a story about how they approached the problem. And if you're really astute, you'll understand that some of those problems were solved before the story itself, right? Like Takamasa would say, establishing a reputation, right? For himself that like even mafia gangs in China, right? The heads of mafia gangs would rather shoot and or punish their own people than have to deal with. So, but it's one guy. I mean, it kind of plays the movie image, right? Except it wasn't one guy, right? If you understand that he was tied into this, this language school, again, I'm making air quotes, right? Um, which back in the day were like meeting grounds, neutral, kind of neutral meeting grounds for spies from different areas. And he would have been connected to, I mean, for people to fear him as a person when they've got a whole freaking mafia organization. See, I have a problem with that. It's one guy, right? You can't sleep forever with one eye open. It's just, you know, you can be looking over your, over your shoulder for the rest of your life. So he had to have other things going on. It's just, it's the nature of the game, right? Um, but then the even pages go into not really a how-to, right, James? That was not really a how-to. It's more, um, it's definitely first person. Hatsumi Sensei teaching on, or teaching on different aspects of things, right? But it springboards off the story, right? Off this, this ancient story, right? And there are some techniques in there, which are really going to throw people off because the techniques, um, none of the techniques in that book come from any of the nine lineages, which unless people just kind of accept it for what it is and just make assumptions, um, that begets the question, how, how does that work? Right. Cause there's things in these different writings that are designed to break you out of just complacent not just complacency right because most people think about that in a physical sense right but dull thinking right assumptive thinking those kind of things right so i believe they're there because there's more to the bujinkan than just nine schools those are nine schools that he inherited ship of but what about the Musashi Ryu? What about the Manriki school? What about Ito Ryu? Right? All these Kodyu and other schools that influenced or, or contributed because he had Menkyo Kaiden, not Soke ship, Menkyo Kaiden, full and complete transmission of these different schools, right? You don't just toss that away, right? You ninjanize it, right? So we don't call one of the weapons a Manriki Gusari, right? Manriki chain or chain of the Manriki school, we call it just a general Kasari Fundo weighted chain, right? Same thing with our Tonto, single-edged knife stuff, right? Comes from the Usashi school, right? So, right? But anyway, um, 
there, there's lots, even the stuff that's written, the little blurb on the back of the quest videos, right? The amount of little hints that are in there, right? Interesting, right? Interesting. Anyway, so um, that was very influential. So, some of my students that are uh, deep thinkers were really into um, like the spiritual side of warriorship, um, things like that, right? They'd list that one high on their, on their uh, list of like favorite books or most influential books. I have a couple of students that that was, the, I mean, they read all these other things. They saw videos and stuff, but that was the book that did it, right? Not need to history and tradition. They read that one too, right? But, mm, you know, whatever, right? Because need to history and tradition, there's some spiritual stuff in it, but it's mostly gaining jutsu, right? It's mostly low man stuff, right? Here are the, here's all the fighting skills, techniques, kamai, whatever. Here's guerrilla warfare stuff. Front and tail end, right? A little bit of history on one end, and then on the other end is, uh, you know, um, spiritual refinement a little bit, right? Kiaijutsu, right? But even the kiaijutsu is wrapped around combat, right? So, um, but anyway, Essence of Jinjutsu, highly recommend it, right? And then there are two other ones, not written by Hatsumi Sate, and believe it or not, um, not written by Stephen Hayes, right? Um, who I think is one of the most influential uh, figures inside and outside the Bujinkan um, because, you know, he helped Hatsumi Sate write a book in the beginning, right? But he just, like, hammered the whole book thing, right? And got all this, you know, got all this press and media and whatnot, right? And I'm not, I'm not ringing his bell, right? I mean, there's a reason that I'm not a student. Um, but uh, one book is called Ninpo, Living and Thinking as a Warrior, right, by Jack Hoban, okay? Um, he was originally one of Stephen Hayes' students and then went to train directly with Hudson, he said they, right? Um, this book runs the gamut of lots of things in life. Okay. Everything from self-defense, conventional stuff to, uh, relationships to, uh, financial, uh, security and stuff like that. Right. A lot of people probably not liking that book. Right. I mean, it didn't have the long multiple edition runs and all that. Like these, like a lot of these other books do. Again, because people couldn't make the jump from what they wanted as a new martial art to what ninjutsu is, right? And it really is that the whole context is living and thinking as a warrior and how ninja make decisions, how warriors make decisions about just about anything, right? Um, I'll come back to that one in a bit. And then the other one, and I think there was only two runs of this, uh, this book. Maybe there was a third one, but, uh, Warriorship by, uh, Shoshi, uh, Bud Malmstrom, right? If you, if you don't know his first name, Carrie, right? Which he does not like, which is why he goes by Bud, right? But Carrie, parentheses, Bud Malmstrom, right? Um, that one, that book surprised me because for years, um, you know, he and I would have these conversations and stuff, and we talk about all these books that people were writing. And um, as a matter of fact, back in the 80s, we had a joke about um, 
uh, all these guys that were coming out of the woodwork and and uh, writing books about Nijutsu or, you know, they would they would write magazine articles and stuff like that. You know, like um, we've been doing Nijutsu for decades and stuff. And, you know, Hatsumi Sensei always made this joke that um, we should all just dress up in like uh, green uh, gi, right? And um, shorten our arms and stuff like this, right? And then do a whole bunch of hip slams and all that, right? Flick the tongue, you know, that kind of thing, right? And we'll just call it Iguana Jutsu. Publish a couple of magazine articles on Iguana Jutsu just to see how many people come out of the woodwork saying that they've been doing Iguana Jutsu, like, forever, right? We're, we weren't the first ones because people are that easily manipulated, right? Um, but uh, where the hell was I going with that um, before the Iguana Jutsu? Oh, oh um, what surprised me about the Warriorship book was for years uh, – Bud always said that if he was going to write a book on Ninjutsu, it would be uh, a joke book, right? Because of all the all the jokes that he heard at ninja seminars, right? Because that's what we would do after training. We would decompress. Nobody's sitting around talking about this or that technique. Just like when lawyers are off work, they don't sit around talking about law stuff, that, you know, or doctors, right? Oh, well, let me tell you about a case I had today. Last thing they want to think about or talk about, right? But the way I was brought up in the art, this became like your life, but not just one aspect of it, not just the fighting stuff, right? People weren't sitting around talking about this MMA fight or that MMA fight. They were sharing successes. They were talking about, hey, have you tried that? Whatever, that kind of stuff, right? Um, we were talking more about the philosophical and mental aspects and the life aspects than anything else. Right. But we also told our fair share of jokes and the ninja that I know have very have a very dark sense of humor. Right. Um, in today's world, we would trigger a lot of people. So. Joke them if they can't take, a, you know, anyway, so uh, he always said he would write this, write a joke book. And then he came out with this uber philosophical book. Right. Warriorship. If you could find a copy, highly, highly recommended because. Um, in both of these books, very informative about the way the thinking goes on. They shared inside lessons with uh, Hatsumi Sensei, right? And these, you know, the, about the way a warrior thinks and and the uh, the fact that warriors take on hardship, right? Um, which we'll talk about here in a bit because I don't believe that people that want to be warriors these days or the people that want to be ninja. There's, I believe that there are less today that are willing to do what's necessary because they got used to a drive-up window, internet-based society. And no matter what you give them, they always want easier than that because that's there's always a reason why that's too difficult, right? And I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm just, I don't know, cut from a different cloth or maybe it was just that abusive background that just caused me to – Look, this is what needs to be done, right? I don't question it. There's the teacher. And if I do question it, <laughs> if I if I have the teachers that and I'm I'm really thankful that I have the teachers that I chose because they flat out told me, look, no, you're not getting over this. And if you want easy, there's the damn door. And I can give you the names of five other instructors that will let you skate by. So you either want rank or you want knowledge and ability. 
pick one. Okay, so here we are. Anyway, so uh, those three books, right, are uh, top of my list, right? Essence of Ninja Two, uh, Warriorship by uh, Carrie Bud Malmstrom, and Ninpo, Living and Thinking as a Warrior, right? Essence of Ninja Two is by Hatsumi Sitsing, right? Um, and there are there are a bunch of other ones, right? Ninpo, uh, is it Ninpo Way of Life, or is it which one? What is it, James? I think it's Ninpo Wisdom of Life. I think. Wisdom of Life. That's it. It it went through a name change hmm. at a certain point. Uh, that one. There's also a book. I mean, for the people that, and I, I think the people that, um, you know, I'm all about the martial arts side, right? Well, then read Martial Arts of the World by Hatsumi Setsai. Mm. I bet most people won't get past nine, page 19 on that one either because you're talking about philosophy, uh, strategy, tactics, approaches to martial arts, connections between them and all that. It's more like a history or a documentary. Uh, not a whole lot of techniques. I don't even think there's any techniques in that book, right? Um, uh, Ninpo Wisdom for Life. No techniques. I don't even, are there any pictures in that book? I don't think so. I don't remember. I, I don't think so. There's just, just text. Here you go. Right. Um, anyway, so, uh, but here's this, here's this question. And this is really where James and I got started the other day. We were talking about, um, how did that get started, James? We were talking about, um, how people, it was, was it the emails that were coming in? Uh, right. With the, um, was? Time conversions. Oh, yeah. Everybody was trying to log into the webinar hours so, early. Yeah, so that, that's that's really where it started, right? Although there's a whole accumulated kind of thing. I just got another email from somebody um, who uh, <coughs> they really want to train. Uh, they're coming to me, you know, think that, you know, I can really, really help them and all that. But here it comes, right? But I'm on disability can I still become a master? Now, I'm really, really my schedule is really, really busy. So sometimes it takes me a couple of days to, to re respond. So if you're on and you're listening, a response is coming. But here's the gist of the response. I don't know. It depends on what you're willing to do. Because being on disability doesn't tell me a whole lot. Right? I mean, are you on disability... Are you telling me you're on disability because you need to tell me that you're on a fixed income and you have you have no ability to make any other money? And that's where you're going to stop. So what you're really hinting at is uh, since I need you to give it to me for free or at bargain basement prices um, and then I'll practice. Okay? Um, just as a uh, for instance, or just as a uh, heads up for everybody, um, I don't do that anymore. Right? I haven't done it for decades because uh, the people that I've always given breaks to, and you could be the prodigy, but I'm not taking a chance, right? Uh, I'll tell you about a, a phone call I had just before I left the dojo tonight with somebody that wants to learn uh, uh, bojutsu from me, right? Um, but anyway, uh, everybody that I've ever given uh, a break to, right? Cut them, and, and normally I don't cut a financial break I trade off part of the tuition for help around the dojo or whatever, because I'd have to pay for it anyway. 
right? So it works out, okay? Um, I can't say never. I've had... Two, and at the moment I can't remember the second person, <laughs> right? But I've had one that was a family, the husband and the son uh, trained, right? And um, mom was uh, an accountant, and she did the books for the dojo, right, for three years. So her husband and her son, he got his junior black belt, and the dad got his black belt. She was in like clockwork. Everybody else either starts wanting to get paid because they're not, they're tired of doing things for free, forgetting that they're getting this much, right? Sorry, my hands are apart for the audio only people, right? But they're, they're getting compensation just in the, in the form of classes, right? Because I want to be able to look at everybody and tell them that everybody's paying the same amount for, for training, right? But I don't do that anymore because uh, what I found is that the people that pay the least complain the most and quit the soonest and people that pay the most don't complain very much at all and are more committed to their training and stay the longest. And while there's lots of people out there that are different, that hasn't been my experience. Okay. Um, and before anybody says that all I care about is the money, um, I have a nice facility the rent's going up June 1st to 2200 bucks a month, $2,200 a month, okay? Not counting electricity, not counting phone, not counting whatever, okay? And $30 a month per person tuition doesn't keep the doors open, okay? So what I do is I have a nice dojo so that the serious people can keep on training and the transients pay the bills. And I know how cold that sounds, but... That's the way warriors do things, okay? The whole dojo concept came about historically because retired warriors who had no other skill sets needed to eat, needed to feed their family, right? And if you do your research, you will find, and I know there's all these, like, glamour ones where, like, you come to the dojo and, you know, the teacher may turn you away for a while, but then, you know, you got a group of Uchi Deshi that are doing all the work and then they go to work and they're buying all the groceries and they're what, cooking, cleaning. So the teacher's freed up and all that. Yeah. Okay. So how much does that cost? Okay. Property, time, all kinds of stuff, right? But that's the glamour ones, right? These, the dojo principle came about because... The, you know, who you get money from in a time when most people were poor, the wealthy, right? And uh, there are all this, all these kind of things going on. But at the same time, you had to be careful as to who you took and charging a lot, turn people away that may be not so safe to be around, right? So the teacher has to worry about somebody calling him on his self all the time, right? So... Anyway, um, so my answer to this young man, and I don't even know his age because all I got was this one sentence, right? I want to train in ninjutsu, um, you know, but I'm on disability. Can I still become a master? 
That tells me nothing. That tells me nothing about their background, tells me nothing about their goals. What What is a master? A master of what? Right. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Right. What are you willing to do? I've had students in the past that have come to me and I told them what the tuition was. And, you know, I, uh, well, perhaps you need to get some other things in order and then we could revisit this. Come back in six. They come back in six months to a year. I really want this. I took what you said to heart. I made life changes. I now make this much money uh, and I'm ready to start. And they were more committed because not only were they committed to learn in the dojo, because I believe that people tell their martial arts teachers or potential martial arts teacher the same thing they tell potential employers or the HR guys that are interviewing them. They tell them exactly what they think the other person wants to hear so they get the job regardless of whether it's an employment job or the job of being a student. And then when shit gets too difficult, one group says they don't pay me enough for this shit. And the other group quits because what's that one shirt that we have on the, uh, on WCI dragons den. Everybody wants to be a ninja. Tell us time to do ninja shit. Yep. We have a variant for that. For those of you who aren't ninja too, everybody wants to be a black belt. Tell us time to do black belt shit. Okay. So, shameless plug for WCI Dragon's Den, but it wasn't planned, right? It's just, it's just the truth, right? So um, anyway, um, so there's this whole, whole, right? what, what I learned from these guys was we think very, very differently, okay? The way you look at the problem is different, right? We're going to be uh, doing a online training program here starting we had to shift it a week because of a glitch we had last week. We'll go back to that conversation that James and I had um, starting with these, these little things. Right. Um, but it's this, these 37 elements, right. Becoming more clear about the problem, right. How to ask the right questions, learning how to actually observe without filtering shit so that your the result or the answer that you get is automatically skewed because you want it to be a certain way or you want to avoid this other stuff. So uh, you're trying to explain things or ask things in a way where you leave off 90%, right? Or you, whatever, right? You just, it's, everything is manipulated so that we can get the answer that we want because if we get a different answer, well, I can't train with that person because he's an asshole. Right. All he cares about is the money or his standards are too much, man. I can go over to that guy over there and get three belt ranks for the same thing, you know, same amount of time and effort and whatnot. That I, well, great. You that's if that's your goal, then fantastic. OK. But anyway, let's go back to that that story, James. Um, we were um, what were we talking. Oh, it was it was last Thursday's webinar that we, we had a system glitch and. Um, it didn't it didn't play out. I mean, the whole system like literally shut down on us. Right. But what didn't shut down on us was the email notifications we got from the system. When people were, were logging in. OK. Mm -hmm. And James, what what time was the webinar scheduled to begin? 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Yeah. So he and I laughed at this because we had this stuff happening all the time. People will log in like hours before our 6 p.m. virtual classes through the dojo. They'll log in hours or days before 
you know, one of the webinars, not the webinars, on Kuden or something like that. We get these notifications, right? Um, I don't, I don't know if this needs to be said or not, but I'm going to say it. Signing in early does not make me materialize to teach the lesson. It, it's not the way it works, right? Things are scheduled around my schedule or the dojo's class schedule or whatever, right? So, um, but what we saw were logins half an hour to an hour early, right? So things started at eight. And I understand people logging in to maybe get ahead, you know, get, get in and stuff like that. But like logging in before 15, 20 minutes before the class starts is kind of pointless, right? Um, Cause if you're in there for too long, the system may drop you back out again because you're going to sit idle. Right. But anyway, um, but people started logging in at 7.05, and we had nobody logging in around the 8 o'clock time period, right? It was all like 7.05 to 7.20 or something like that, right? right. And we're like, I'm double che- we're double-checking everything, right? Emails, the pages, and all that kind of stuff, which all say 8 p.m. Eastern time, right? So then that begets the question, right? Did people do the math? incorrectly for their time conversion for their time zone. But then we thought, well, it can't be that difficult, right? You can Google time conversion, right? Time zone conversion. There's one called time zone converter, right? There's, there's all these things you can literally type in where you are, where the other place is. It doesn't matter if you're on that, that part of the United States on the West coast that does not do, Daylight savings time, it doesn't, whatever, right? This thing does the math for you and tells you what time it is in the target location, okay? Um, James and I were talking about how um, we both have a weather app and a, and a time converter app all set up with these different areas that we're kind of interested in. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know what time it is in Japan, I, whatever, right? Um, but, and the other time I get thrown off mentally is when there's the the east you know the daylight savings time kind of thing and then I just have to double check because sometimes we're 12 hours behind sometimes we're 13 hours behind or they're ahead right um, but we were talking about this this thing where people are literally carrying around a supercomputer in the palm of their freaking hand and they're still using this phrase when they get something wrong. Well, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah so he's chuckling now we, we were chuckling then, but it was chuckling. It was, a, it was juxtapositioning between chuckling and like disbelief because people can look up YouTube shorts. They can look up um, shit that they're going to binge watch or scroll, right. For two and a half hours out of their day. And you know, that's the reason they have no time for training or practice. Um, but they can't look up whatever. And I don't know if that's the issue with the, with these folks, but um, there were a couple that were on that. The questions that we get imply, because nobody would ever use these words. It gives them plausible deniability, right? But it implies that you want the teacher to do all the work, which is not the way it works, right? But we're supposed to be ninja, and we live in a time 
when we can find out just about anything that we want to find out, right? We don't even have to have spies on the ground, right? Actually, we do, right? Because there's a type of ninja, there's several types of ninja that didn't even know that they were in your network, but they were sources of information, right? One of the first lessons I learned as a white belt in this art was you build a ninja network so there's little to nothing that you can't accomplish with a phone call or a favor exchange or whatever because you and the network isn't just you have a whole bunch of friends because the average human being and this is where the difference lies the average human being surrounds themselves with people like what james just like themselves just like themselves that's who we feel comfortable around right but we need a network that has what mechanics accountants carpenters name it right that because if a problem pops up i either have to try to figure it out myself i have to pay pay a gazillion dollars to somebody that i don't know or i can call a friend right and i may or may not get the friends and family discount that's not the point i have access right um before he died in a plane crash my lawyer if I took something to him that he just, you know, it's not that he didn't want to do it. It's just that this is not a big thing, right? This is not something that, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't feel like charging you for it. I'll make a phone call. There you go. Done. How much do I owe you? If I do a couple of these things for you at some point, you might have something really, really big, and I'll be the first person you think of. Fantastic, right? But, I mean, how many different... I mean, different. One of the coolest things about having the dojo and everybody being collectively in the dojo. Rarely does something pop up where we don't have somebody who's good at that thing or working in that field or whatever that won't go, hey, I'll, I'll look that up for you. Or I'll, you know, what do you need? All right, I can give you half an hour, whatever. Or, I mean, how many people came together to, not all at the same time, but to help me get moved into my house and to help me, you know, an electrician that helped to rewire stuff, that an electrician that got a lot of money from an insurance company boned up, right? And we didn't have time to wait for them to fix it. So it just, it was a cool thing, right? But anyway, that, that discussing this, this, um, uh, the time converter app turned into a discussion about what we have on our phones, right? For things, right? What was the other one that you were talking about? The weather app, I think, oh, right? right, right I, yeah. have one, I have one the same way, right? I know what, what the weather is in Tokyo, Japan. I know mm -hmm. what the weather is in Dublin, Ireland. I know what the weather is. I have friends in different areas of the world. And it's not just an idle curiosity, but if a question pops up and uh, you and I started talking about traveling because we both like to travel, right? right? One of the first things we both do is what? We're going to travel. We add that location to the app. I add that location to the right. app, yeah. right? I, you know, and I also add that location to my time converter mm. because I have an app that I can plug in multiple times, right? Mm. So, you know, the other thing I do when I'm going on vacation is I also look up, you know, what are some crime problems in the area if they exist or what's what are some things sure. I might need to be concerned about, those kind of things, right? So I don't run into the, well, I, I, I didn't know, 
I, I mean, can you imagine a ninja saying, I already know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, I know I'm making a joke out of it, but um, I mean, it's never been easier for somebody to operate in the world as though they were the head of their own freaking ninja organization to be able to find out stuff, right? You don't even have to leave your home. And it just, I don't know, just it baffles the mind. But we were talking about all these little things that we do, right, um, that, I don't know, to me it's, it's a part of it. But at the same time, I also had teachers that were willing to kick me in the nuts, right, and remind me that, look, you want to be this thing, here's certain personal personal and character traits that you have to have, right? And there's no getting around it. If you want to get around it, you can't get around it in my dojo. In you know, we can be friends, but we can't be we can have can't have this teacher student kind of mm-hmm. thing going on, right? And so, um, and I just I I think I just told some students was it today or yesterday? I think it was today. I'm compared to my teachers, I'm too damn nice. Mm-hmm. Was that today? Yes, I believe. So. Yeah, just. You know, because I'm uh, part of my personality is I'm willing to give people extra slack on the rope. Right. Just give them lots of rope. Okay? Eventually, they're going to end up hanging themselves through their own actions. And they'll blame me because I didn't tell them what to do. But ninja is supposed to be self-sufficient. How do I know that? Because they operated just like special forces guys who were advisors to, a, to a, another army or whatever. Right. You're operating hundreds of miles away from home in dangerous territory with the occupation you have that if you get caught, you're going to be freaking boiled or whatever. Right. Um, And you don't have the communications network that we have today. I was just watching a movie from 1972 last night and um, at every I mean, not at every turn, but. It, it happened a lot, right? Where I would I just, my brain would go to, damn, we had cell phones. This movie would be over by now, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. And we didn't. Right. So th- they had to like find a phone, ask somebody, right. They had to let somebody know where they were going to be. So often the phone that like, let's say a cop was interviewing somebody or whatever, and the phone would bring in this, this person's office. Right. And they would go, Oh, it's for you inspector or whatever. Right. Because, you work it out, right? That, when when people go, how'd you even operate? The, the opposite question to that is, how are these people not operating? Right? You know, and I mean, we could talk about a combat thing with 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 switching or or you know the kind of points to the mindset. Um, you know, if I'm out in a in a dark alley, and James, you already know this one. If I'm in a dark alley. And I'm being confronted by somebody who's like an MMA grappler, whatever. And I know, I know in my, in my heart of hearts that there's a 99.7% chance that I'm going to the freaking ground because this guy's that good. What's the, what's the, what's the problem, right? The problem is how do I not go to the ground? So all the techniques that people want are how do I keep from letting this guy take me to the ground? Or how do I beat him once we're on the ground? This guy's already better at it than you, right? You got an uphill freaking climb. That's the wrong question. 
That's the wrong question. The question is, how do I go from me having the problem and him having the advantage to me having the advantage and him having the problem? Because if I'm fighting him based on his rules, or if I'm fighting into his advantage, <laughs> I'm fucked. <laughs> it's just not going to go well, right? But everybody wants that superhero kind of thing because they got lulled into, to, you know, Hollywood magic or whatever. That, that's not how ninja think, right? Ninja think about the problem. The problem is this guy's bigger than me, stronger than me, more agile than me, younger than me at this point, right? You know, probably uh, more fit, most likely more fit, right? That just makes me fight more tenaciously. Right? So, so how do I do it, right? And this is something I got from a teacher a long time ago. How do you do it, right? I lay down on the ground and pull my clip knife. Click. Okay. Now I don't have the problem with worrying about being going to the going to the ground. I'm going to put myself there. Who has the problem? Who has the problem, James? <clears throat> the other guy does because now he's got to get on you without. Without me cutting him the hell up. Right. Right? Well, that's not fair. That's not that's not the way the fight works. No, that's not the way a sporting fight works. That's not my realm. You want to fight for entertainment, that's a whole different thinking, acting, training, doing, whatever. Right? Boy, I really pissed off a whole lot of people with that like roundhouse kick kind of technique, didn't I? <laughs> and yet it's just a variation of one of the techniques from the nine lineages. Asidome, right? right? Right, leg stop, it's blown out the knee, right? So I really pissed a lot of people off. They're really going to be not happy when we do the next one where I'm just going to step back out of range and cut the femoral artery with, when the kick comes out or hold it out so he does that side kick and kicks his foot onto the knife, whatever, <laughs> right? Well, that's not, oh, you can't do You and I are talking from two different realms, right? Never confuse that. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. Right. So his, you know, um, but again, James and I were talking about, you know, it's not that we don't talk about there being a problem because during our Wednesday uh, business meetings, we talk about, okay, so we need to do this. We got, got a problem with the, with the, with the, with the, with the, the, this website over here, or got this glitch that's happening or whatever. Right. It's really freaking irritating. And that, discussion about the problem or the fact that we have a problem last how long per problem <clears throat> seconds yeah not long enough we just acknowledge that it exists and then it's on to how we're going to fix it and then the next question is what what's causing it and then the next question is what do we have at hand do we need something different or where's the root problem and then we just I mean, we caused a big problem for ourselves because I was cleaning shop with a leftover site that just kept getting patched and all that kind of stuff. And um, it got it got hacked a long time ago. And finally, we got to a point where technology and updates and all that kind of stuff were just screwing it up more. And uh, <laughs> I forgot to ask one important question. And we shut it down. We didn't just shut it down. We shut it down and cleared the server. And then James and I are like, well, guess we're rebuilding those uh, information pages, <laughs> registration pages, which, you know, um, we needed to do anyway. So, but uh, yeah, so anyway, 
miss one question, right? And, and that's a big thing in Mikio as well. Everybody wants to train in Mikio, but the, the thing in Mikio is um, ego, and this is, this is where the difference lies, right? Ego thinks enlightenment is about answers, right? Because ego wants control. Ego wants to look like ego's the shit, right? So if he has a question, I should have the answer. So even if I have to memorize a bunch of books or cue cards or whatever and regurgitate it back and sound like I know, then uh, to most people I must know, unless I'm talking to somebody who does know, in which case they know that I'm just parroting and regurgitating shit, right? So, uh, but the reality is that enlightenment is based on questions. And it's not just based on questions, it's based on the quality of the questions, mm-hmm. right? So, and again, that's going to be a, uh, a part, kind of a part of the, uh, the 37 Fundamentals course that's coming up. Anyway, we'll give more details if you sign up for the rescheduled, uh, what is it? Smoothing Out Life's Rough Ride free um, yes. webinar that's coming up uh, this Thursday. We rescheduled it for this Thursday, same time. So we'll, we'll, uh, if you already have the information, great. If not, um, James, if you can repost the, uh, the thing in the chat bar, that'd be great. That way people can already start to sign up for that. We're giving you plenty of days ahead. All right. Heads up on this thing. But anyway, um, so I got that from, from Shoshi Malmstrom. The whole idea was how do I, you know, how do I not have to, get brutally beaten because I'm worried about the wrong. I'm, I'm not worried about the wrong problem. The problem is this guy's bigger, faster, stronger, more agile. He's better at that thing than I am. So my chances of defending against that successfully, really bad. And going to the ground, never a good fucking idea. Right. I know that lots of people think so, but the, the advantages that you lose by willingly going to the ground, right, with this person, both of you wrestling on the ground, right? You can't break his balance, right? You got leverage with the ground that you can push against, all kinds of stuff, right? It maximizes strength. There's all kinds of weird crap going on down there, right? So anyway, and the principles for your Taijutsu, almost all of them are exactly backwards or, or opposite of what they are when you're standing. But anyway, it's that it's that kind of idea, right? So uh, we were talking about vacation, right? There's a, there's an example in the Ninpo living and thinking as a warrior thing. I think I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, but um, this really popped out when, when Jack Hoban was writing this stuff because a bunch of years ago, he was a financial planner, right? And doing this stuff and all that. So he really understood the ins and outs of things. And, you know, it's there's again there's another big cultural push that if somebody makes too much money they should be donating all their money right to this or that cause or whatever right um ninja warriors don't do that right we take a vacation with our money or we buy something or actually i'm not into buying things anymore we invest it and make our money make money for us right but the idea with the vacation thing really threw me off. Oh, my wife must be home. Give me one second here. My dog needs out of my office. 
he was a rescue and gets needy <laughs> and I'm not entertaining at the moment. So, um, but, uh, you know, Jack's premise here is, you know, you have, let's say you have a thousand dollars, right. And you have a choice gonna donate it to a worthy cause, uh, or we're going to go on vacation, which one will do the most good, which one will, will, um, which one will affect the greater good, right? Here's a moral ethical question, okay? And it points to the thinking, right? Over cultural or group conditioning, okay? Because if we don't donate, then what? If we take a vacation, people go, well, <laughs> well you're greedy. You don't care about those people that are suffering. You don't care about that cause. Or Sure I do, Okay. But I've done my research and I've done my homework because I'm a ninja. And I know that 90% or better of the money that gets donated to these worthy causes goes where? Where's it go, James? It goes to, quote unquote, administrative costs. Administrative costs, operations, right? Where do you think the money comes from to pay for the advertisements that suckered you into sending your money? Okay, so I'm not dismissing the problem, not by a long shot, but how can I make my donation work more? Okay, so the consensus and things that, that I learned from my teachers, and it, it really conditioned how I thought, was like if, if these people called me for a donation – a big thing here in the eastern part of the United States, right, is the poverty levels in Appalachia, along the Appalachian Trail, right? James, you know this, right? Okay. So, but every year they run these ads because these people don't have clean water. They don't have, and so what you're going to get for your money is knowing that they're going to get clean water, they'll get their wells restored, whatever. Um, you know, clothes will be passed out, all kinds of stuff, right? They'll get much needed repairs on their homes. The problem is that the mining and railroad businesses that existed there a hundred, almost 200 years ago don't exist anymore. They're poor because there's no jobs, right? So you're going to take the money and what 10% of it is going to help them this year, but then next year you need to collect for them again. So if I were talking to these folks on the phone, it would go something like this. Um, I'll make a deal with you. I'll donate if you use the money, okay, even 50% of it, to relocate them to an area where there are too many unfilled job vacancies and clean water and all that kind of stuff, right? And we'll call it a day. But they wouldn't do it because it's a self-driving machine, just like, you know, in, in Pennsylvania here. Right. Decades ago, when they built the the, uh, the uh, turnpike. Right. It's a toll road. OK. It was only supposed to be a toll road for 10 years, I think. Right. And the way the math worked was that's by then it would have paid for itself. And then they would shut it down. It would become 
just a regular open interstate. Well, here we are, what, 40, 50 years later, maybe more? It's still a toll road. And now they took the toll booths out and the extra um, uh, workers, and it's just done by camera or they take a picture of your freaking car and they send you a bill. So they cut down the number of the, the amount of payroll so the state gets to keep more money. Okay. Well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is it became a self-driving machine where now you have all these people in prominent positions. Their livelihood and their position and their clout depends on it staying exactly where it is and the way it is. Okay. You have to understand the psychology. You have to understand human nature. Right? It's where the ninja's five needs and five weaknesses comes in. Right? We've covered that, right? The guerrilla warfare. There's a good primer at the back end of Stephen Hayes's um uh, what is that? Um The Ninja and Their Secret Fighting Art. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Um But you you need to understand how this stuff works, right? To make a better decision. See, if I go on vacation, I'm gonna buy airline tickets. Well, my wife and I have a couple of these things coming up buying airplane tickets we're buying uh we're uh tickets for a cruise right so yeah a lot of that's going to go to the companies because that's paying bills but what's it paying it's paying going directly into people's paychecks right um it's paying for their uh workers benefits right all kinds of stuff right and airline and cruise line right they need fuel for their vehicles and all that so that's contributing to those industries and paying paychecks and maintaining vehicles and all kinds of stuff right and then when we're on vacation we're eating in restaurants we're out on the beach sipping whatever it is we choose to relax by right and we're tipping people that goes directly into their pockets right so how much of that thousand dollars that i'm going to spend on a vacation, how much of that is going directly or indirectly right to people who are trying to take care of their families? 90%, 80%, way more than the fricking five to 10% if I donate through an organization, right? And I know exactly where my money's going, okay? But if the question really is about doing the greater good for the most amount of people, Right. See how it's it's backwards. Right. The thinking seems crazy. It seems a lot of people will look at me and go, I thought it makes no sense. Well, it makes no sense because you can't get away from what you were taught to this thing over here. Right. And therein lies a problem. Okay. But we have to understand the problem and we have to understand the goal. Okay. And to experience the least amount of resistance in getting the goal to happen. We have to approach it differently than everybody else because all the defense mechanisms and all the resistance mechanisms are set up based on the way most people think about it. Right. Think about your techniques and think about what makes them work. Okay. A properly executed technique in this art works 
regardless of whether you apply pressure or he applies resistance. If he is applying resistance and your technique is breaking, your technique is wrong no matter how much extra force you put into it. You can make it work, but something was still off. And if you're not the bigger, stronger, faster combatant, you can't put more into it than he can. He already owns what we call the earth realm. He already owns the strength and positioning and all that stuff. Okay. So people can run around all the, all day long using words like enlightenment, like warrior, like ninja. As my German friends would say, Max Nix. Matters not. Doesn't matter. Okay. Makes no change. Okay. We can say that we're practicing ninjutsu. We can say we're studying ninjutsu. But unless we're coming at things differently than everyone else, and not just because we're, what, um, oppositional defiant, <laughs> right? Um, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'll round this out here in just a minute, um, just because it'll tie in with the, the 37 elements kind of Kind of. It's, that's actually like module 10 at the tail end. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow a model from our Mikyo to categorize four types of people, four, four types of quote unquote practitioners in this or any art and any, in any endeavor. Right. But before I do that, James, was there anything, anything else that we were talking about um, as far as like the way people think? And because um, we get emails all the time, uh, the free thing, the, you know, whatever, um, the free route. Again, to the to the uh, person, if you're if you're listening, right, uh, can you still become a master? This, you know, if you're asking me honestly, right. Can I become a master? That's all dependent on what you are willing to do. And I'm going to take that one step farther. It is based on what you are willing to do that you cannot currently do, but will figure out what you are willing to do that you can't afford to do, but you'll figure out how to afford to do it. And what you're willing to do that you're not willing to do. Okay. One of the biggest things that I think is different today than when I started training, right? The internet has made it easy for people to get information. It's also made it easy for them to be lazy. They don't need to get off their ass and go to a dojo. They don't need to actually be face to face with a the teacher. They can actually believe that they can surf YouTube all day long and learn everything they need to know. Hell, now they're surfing YouTube shorts thinking that they can master techniques. Basically, see, I don't know if you can see James down there in the corner, right? Just leaning back and just chuckling, right? A couple of seconds to no more than a minute. Same thing with TikTok, Instagram, whatever, right? That they can learn everything there is to know about a technique or a skill, right? It's just making assumptive stuff, right? But remember what I just said? Right. They can surf these things all day long. So when are they going to get off their ass and actually practice at least one of those techniques? OK, so it's made it easier. 
right? Um, we had magazine articles and books, and I know, right? Call me boomer, call me whatever the hell you want if it makes you feel better, right? But challenges, right? Modern psychiatry and all these studies, they, there was a study done a couple of months ago that proved this, this, this thing about challenges, right? And they did three completely different studies in the course of like a month and in different conditions and proved the same thing that challenges force you to adapt and it forces the adaptation quicker than getting the easy smooth ride. The more you get banged on, the more your body, brain, and system will adapt because it has to, right? But the more crutches you have, the more sympathizers you have, the more, uh, I don't know, what, outs, the more, you know, the more leeway you're given and whatnot, okay? It's comfort. Okay. Anyway, so um, what else do we have? Is there anything else that you can think of based on um, what we what we talked about or this this topic? Um, the difference in in that whole ninja thinking. Yeah, I think that was you hit pretty much everything we talked about. Just that you know, this whole you know job of most ninja was just to gather information and now it's easier than ever and people forget that you know just how easy it is and they're just looking to take the easy way out and get spoon-fed answers and and things like that and i don't i believe that some people forget that they've got you know supercomputer in the palm of their hand because they see a smartphone they see you know they haven't given much thought to the fact that this thing is 10,000 times more powerful than the rooms full of computers that landed people on the moon in the 60s. There were entire rooms, wall to wall, of computers that did one-tenth of one percent of what this thing does for you, if you use it, for more than just a replacement TV or whatever. Hell, I've seen people sit and chat with each other in the same room sitting next to each other. What the hell is that? Right? There's all these other studies too that, that talk about, you know, your ability to solve problems and, and process things. And there's all these like cool abilities that we have that are actually based on interpersonal communication and relationship in the same space with that person. The exchange of, I mean, quantum physics would say the exchange of energy and the quantum fields affecting each other. And uh, Mikio does the same thing, but they talk about a net with jewels and stuff, right? Um, it's interesting stuff, right? Um, you know, psychiatry and psychology is known for decades that writing is the physical aspect of learning right and it seats the learned the, the lesson to be learned in your system much more deeply right we we've we still talk about but they've always talked about like your conscious mind and then your unconscious or subconscious right 
and people, you know, they think that it's still in the brain and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I've been, I've been saying for decades that I don't believe that brain transplants are possible because people think about the brain and then they think about the nerves, but the brain is part of the whole system, right? Cause you have these nodes everywhere. Right. And you got your frontal cord and everything branches off of that. Right. I think if you were going to take somebody's brain out of their body, you would take the whole neuro net out. Right. Well, that's what I was saying. Right. Now, modern psychiatry or psychology. Right. Um, neuroscience. Uh, what's her name? Uh, she's there. Right. Um, she's there around there somewhere. Right. My brain person. Right. Um, the subconscious is. It's your body. It's it's everything else, right? It gets wired in. This helps to wire it in. Meanwhile, people are doing it this way. So at best, 25% of your brain power is on the thing you're trying to learn because 25% is making sure that the technology is working right. 25% is trying to listen to the lesson. 20, right? Less is going to the actual visceral kind of thing because this is writing the symbols and shapes this is doing nothing but bumping a hard surface right so it's very interesting right yeah so um but anyway you're, you're right i mean uh, the the easier it is the easier it's become for people to have access to information it just seems like the harder it is for people to become an information gatherer because you can get stuck in information overload as well. But at the same time, you know, if you're not engaging with it, if all you're doing is collecting it and it's staying in the conscious mind, the conscious mind can only hold what seven or eight bits of information at a time. And if you pull in more than that, it starts bumping things off the tail end, right? Which is why it's hard to memorize stuff like that. So anyway, um, what else? I think that's it. All right. All right. So here are these four things, right? This comes straight out of Mikyo. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the first term is going to be like raw. It'll be the same term. But what I want to do is explain these different kind of positions and how each one kind of holds a place, right? Um, and the number of people, students, adherents, whatever, that move to the next level and can accomplish the goal at that level drops dramatically at each stage. And when I say dramatically, I mean dramatically, right? So in Mikyo, and again, it, this is not just about Mikyo, right? This is about anything that we're trying to learn, okay? The first stage, okay? The first, uh, it could be the first stage of somebody moving into the, to the realm, but by and large, most people stay in the realm or in the category known as, uh, voice hearers. What that means is they're content with sitting around or doing minimal movement and they're reading about listening to seminars or whatever. They could be reading books. They could be watching videos. They could be listening to somebody speak on something. 
Like here we are, right? This is supposed to be a supplement. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. This is supposed to be a supplement to people's training, not the crux of their training, not something to fill empty time on a Monday evening or morning or whatever time, right? Just like whiteboard Wednesdays, high, high level tactics and strategies to put your techniques into context for higher level thinking and training. Most people are content to be voice hearers. Surfing YouTube, reading things, watching videos, whatever. But their action tends to stop at discussing it with other people. So they're on, they'll, they'll leave comments or they'll send, they might send emails, but, um, that's the easiest, it's the easiest level, right? And it's the least taxing level of commitment to the process, right? The next level in Mikyo is known as the level of, uh, the Pratyeka Buddha, which is the, uh, the Sanskrit. It's the, the realm of the Hinayana, lesser vehicle, whatever, right? But this is somebody who, uh, in Mikyo, it's somebody who becomes enlightened, enlightened for their own benefit, right? So they're eliminating, um, their own, you know, suffering, discontent, that kind of thing, which is fine, right? Um, uh, in, in the, in Mikyo, we would still call that person a Buddha, right? An awakened one, right? In Hinayana, uh, Theravada, Buddhism, they're called an arhat, right? It's the same thing, right? The Theravadans would not would say that it, that's not true, but um, they would also say that Mahayana Buddhism and Vajrayana Buddhism are not real Buddhism either, but that's okay, right? I don't have those arguments. So this person works through, like they'll go through the martial arts training, they'll do whatever, but it's it's for their own benefit, right? And that's that's cool, right? They can they'll have these skills, they can help protect people, whatever, kind of, right? So, but it's mostly for them to keep themselves safe. It's why most people get into self-defense uh, classes in the younger ages, okay, up to about 28 to 30, right? From 35 on, those people tend to get into self-defense with themselves, believe it or not, as a secondary because they have families and friends and whatever, and they they want to make sure they can protect their spouse, their kids, their whatever, right? It's a different mentality. Okay. Um, the survivalist group, and I don't mean like the militia group, I mean people that are getting into survival training and all that tend to be in the, uh, 45 to 50 and older group, right? That between that and 65, right? There's ones below it and there's ones above it and all that, but either way, right? Um, so this is the, the one who becomes, you know, black belt, master, whatever you want, right? Again, for their own benefit. It's all cool. Okay. But some of those, and again, there's way fewer of those than there is in the voice hearers because there's a lot of work to be done. I, mean, I don't oh, I can't turn the camera that I had. I, um, there's a whole other program that I have, and I think we might have lost the information page and have to rebuild it. But it's uh, called the 13, uh, the Sadhana of the 13 Buddhism Bodhisattvas. And it's a path, right, um, that tells you every stage what's work, what you're working on. There's external things to be done. There's internal things to be done. And they kind of juxtaposition as you move through this thing. And then it becomes this cycle. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Anyway, um, so fewer obviously are willing to do the freaking work necessary to do this thing, right? 
The next level in Mikyo is known as the realm of the Bodhisattva, right? In Catholicism, they might call it a saint or whatever, right? But they're, they're doing this stuff and they get to a point where compassion really kicks in and they start to recognize the problems that other people would have. And like, I had this revelation when I was a police officer, right? I could develop all these skills, right? Protect people and all that. But more often than not, and I mean, like in a seven year career, I could count on one hand that many, right? Good thing I had that many fingers on one hand. Um, how many times I was on scene when something bad was actually happening, right? I was usually pulling in after the fact, tail end of it, or I was writing a report on victims, right? Highly unsatisfying for me. Lots of respect for my brothers and sisters still wearing blue and all that kind of stuff or blue or gray or whatever the color uniform is. But um, but what ends up happening is these people will put their own, in one case, enlightenment, in another case, mastery on hold. And it's for the benefit of others. Right. So one. In either case, right, what they're really doing is teaching, helping, whatever. Right. So in our realm, one becomes a teacher. Now, regardless of where you are, I mean, I, I started way early, but I was given permission to start a training group, right, which really threw a lot of the other martial arts artists off in the area, right? Um, how can you teach if you don't have a black belt? My answer was, if it'll make you more comfortable, I'll put a black belt on, but it's not going to mean anything within the context of my own training, right? I know more than the people are coming to me for this, and I'm not diluting them and, and trying to tell them that I'm a, you know, 1500 degree grand poobah or whatever, right? That's where the bullshit happens, right? What ends up happening is um, the intent is to help the others. But the irony is that in your helping others, you end up becoming masterful, becoming an expert to a greater degree because you're having to solve other people's confusion um, helping them with their understanding and all that because their context is different, right? Somebody who becomes enlightened or becomes, you know, becomes a black belt or learns an art um, of their own accord, they don't have to worry about solving their own confusion, problems, coordination issues, whatever, right? Um, you go starting to help somebody else. James, you've taught. You've taught some classes, right? You ever looked at a student and gone, how the hell? Wait, wait what are you doing with your butt? You know, um, <laughs> Because, right, or you you have to come up with multiple ways of explaining the same technique, the same concept or whatever, because you need to learn to speak their listen. Mm. And what ends up happening is you end up just learning the stuff much more deeply, right? But your intent isn't on you, right? So it becomes, it's it's not like it's, indirect over direct or whatever but you're not you're not sweating the progress you're not sweating the belts you're not sweat right it's it's all in the context of learning right you're you and you're developing skill sets that you never thought you would develop right like interpersonal communications right what the hell does that have to do with like whipping a mushadori on somebody nothing but teaching somebody else how to whip a mushadori on somebody it might help, right? And then 
there's this other stage of breaking free of even that stuff to where you understand that all of those levels are necessary and that we all reside in those different levels at different times because they're all useful. The difference is, is we're not stuck in any one of them, right? Again, this is the, this is the level of what we often call crazy wisdom, okay? Because you can see things that other people just, they can't see, right? And as one of my teachers used to say, if you don't put a lesson in, you may never need any of your lessons, right? Let's, let's admit that, right? I mean, that's the hope. Lots of instances even talked about that, right? It's like insurance, right? You put it in, hope you never need it. The irony, which I've experienced, he talked about lots, right? Is that the better you get at this stuff and not just the physical fighting techniques, the better you get at this stuff, the less likely you're going to have to need it because you're solving things and handling conflict and, and pressure and all that kind of stuff long before it ever becomes a problem where you're ducking bullets. But if you have to duck bullets, then, you know. but you're thinking about things and you understand things at a level that most people, they can't get their head wrapped around, which is why it's, and, and often it seems backwards, right? If somebody's coming at me and they're going to wrestle me to the ground, I'm going to lay down on the ground. I'm just going to put myself there first. Who the hell would do that? Well, you can't do it in, a, in an MMA ring because I can't pull a clip knife after I lay down. Right? Okay. Same thing with somebody throwing a, a you know, a, a roundhouse kick at me. Okay? In a, in a contest, I can't pull a clip knife and cut their femoral artery or stab the fascia at the bottom of their foot so that they have a hell of a time standing, if at all, right? Or stabbing into the side of their ankle or right into their calf muscle or something like that. You can't do that. Yeah, but if this guy's coming to me and he's got, like, just murderous intent and he has the skills to do it, that's all that's necessary for me to be able to justify lethal force because he has the ability to cause serious bodily damage which equates to being maimed, or to kill me. And the way the law, at least in my area, states, if I believe that I am in fear of serious bodily injury or death, lethal force is justified. And I'm not even talking about killing somebody, right? But anybody's studying self-defense and has not educated themselves about the self-defense doctrine or the laws in their area about that. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that because you're not, you're not learning about self-defense. You're learning cool moves to stroke egos. Fancy. So this goes right back to our, our discussion, right? People want to be a ninja. Right? And it's not the T-shirt, right? <laughs> Everybody wants to be a ninja until it's time to do ninja shit. Not that. I'm talking about um, everybody wants to be this thing that they can't define. Right? So 
You know, it's one thing to know Ninja Hachimon, right, from history. But what does that look like in today's world? Do we do we still have a page for that where people can sign up to download the the worksheet that I created? Yes. Or whether or not they jump into the Ninja Hachimon course, I lay yep. out the traditional eight, and then on the right side there's the modern ones, and then in the middle is just a little blurb about the gist of why that is in there. Oh, and that doesn't absolve you of the need to learn the conventional warrior stuff. How do you beat something you don't understand? As my wife taught my grandson, this is the perfect time for this, right? Because I just roll my eyes. He's her little puppet, right? Um, he's this handsome little guy, right? And my wife says, how'd you get to be so cute? And she already taught him to say, just lucky, I guess. Well, I guess the same answer to how do you defend against somebody who you don't understand their fight style, you don't understand how that technique works, the mechanics or anything like that. How do you win? Just lucky, I guess. So anyway, do you have any questions or comments or I'm full of shit statements or anything like that that have come through tonight? A few comments came through um, back when we were talking about, I believe it was the Nympoism for Life book, James Garcia said, there's a few art picks in it, but no techniques. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, oh, are you talking to a different James? But am am I talking name. to a different James? Yeah. His name so is I'm talking James. to you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> These uncommon names that fly around, you know? And then... <laughs> David Kolasar was on. He said he was the Bojutsu guy you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stalker. <laughs> he and I were talking about Bojutsu earlier. Yeah, well, awesome. Did, just shortly ago, he had said he had to get out and go back to work, but he'll probably be reaching out this weekend. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, I'm taking the weekend off, but okay. And, uh, Phil Jones is on, said good evening. Can't wait to see us again in a few Phil, weeks. Phil, you don't even show up for virtual classes anymore. I'm going to kick you in the nuts when you show up for that seminar. I swear <laughs> to God. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just say that? Did I just fall out? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> now, now, there's an example of somebody who wants things, right? Absolutely. Pull up a map, right? Okay, find Pennsylvania, right? You can. It's blue or yellow or whatever it is on your map, right? Okay. Go west, young man, right? Draw a line west, okay? Idaho, yes? Iowa. 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 Yeah. I don't know why I throw those two things apart. Iowa, right? <laughs> Phil drives like he's like he's fucking at the helm of the Starship Enterprise hitting warp speed, right? I'm surprised he has freaking tires on his car when he gets there because they superheat and melt. And Anyway, um, he drives from Iowa for a seminar. Okay. There's certain people I don't expect to drive from wherever, like Carl. Carl's in Perth, Western Australia. Probably, probably not a good idea to drive. <laughs> That's a pretty big freaking football. Freaking pond, right? So, um, but yeah, just you know, that's 
and I think what he said during the last seminar was I decided that I wanted it. So, right. But same thing that I had to, had to do, right. You have to, um, arrange with family with him. It's a daughter, right. Um, you have to arrange for time off work far enough in advance. You have to budget some things, make sure the bills are still paid, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, but doing it has to be more important than not. And unfortunately, most people need to be driven to the brink of like life threatening danger before they take it seriously. But then this stuff takes months and years to ingrain into your system. At that point, you don't have time. You better be way more creative. Right. Then I've just got some other students um, who are in transition. Right. What I mean by that is uh, one of my long distance students, I just learned this not too long ago, right? And I don't want to call him out because uh, I don't want to like embarrass him or get him to blush or whatever, right? But in 2010, uh, he won like five gold medals in Portugal, right? Um, World Taekwondo Championships, right? Sought me out, weirdos. Anyway, right? Um, but, you know, him and some other folks and whatnot, um, life changes, medical issues, those kind of things, right? And so for some of these guys, like physical stuff is becoming more and more difficult, but it's the perfect opportunity to switch into like tuning type ninjutsu, right? Really thinking about ninja networks and really thinking about how do I uh, control my environment in a way that I get things done and nobody knows that like I did it kind of, well, that's more Jonin stuff, but same thing, right? Where you're just getting more and more, um, the, the type of ninjutsu that you're doing changes, right? Cause you know, I know in the, in the beginning, we all believe that, but one day, right? Cause I, I mean, we live in a culture, we live in a, in a, in a world now where we're supposed to treat everyone as though their belief system is equally valid with everybody else's. But the reality is that some belief systems are just fucking wrong. And I don't mean morally or ethically or whatever. Right. And unfortunately it takes until you fall apart to know that that's true. Okay. Like the guy a bunch of years ago that thought the world was going to end on, was it May 21st of 2011 or something like that. Right. He didn't find out until the 22nd or whatever the date was, right, that his belief was wrong. But a lot of us are operating on beliefs that are fucking the wrong. But we're living in a culture where everybody's supposed to treat you like it's perfectly okay. It is perfectly okay for you to believe those things. But that doesn't mean that the belief is right. Okay? And I, I mention this on a regular basis. Okay? The consequences for a ninja in the old days, right, for failing was death and a horrible death, right? Everything from having your freaking meat filleted off your body to being like boiled in boiling water or hot oil or I think that's called deep fried. But um, (laughs) the terms in the old ancient books say boiled in hot oil. And I'm like. Man, that's making like ninja fried chicken right there. That's what that's what that is. <laughs> so, 
you know, I mean, it was it was pretty nasty shit, right? What the, what are the consequences of failing today? A pat on the shoulder and being told it's okay, at least you tried. No, the consequences are is the shit that you're dealing with because the world doesn't work the way we want it to. That's the whole point of the friggin' 37 fundamentals program we're going to be doing, right? The core premise, right? This, this Thursday thing that I'm going to be talking about, uh, that I'm going to be teaching on, um, the smoothing out life's, uh, rough ride. Um, we're going to touch on the why ever so briefly. Um, but the crux of that, of the, that, uh, webinar, uh, yeah, it's free, right? I mean, the crux of it is I'm going to be going into, the first uh, of this truth that enlightened people figure out. And it's three ways that life causes pain, suffering, discontent, confusion, those kind of things, right? There's three ways that that, that happens, right? Um, two of them are not our fault, but the third one that is, makes the other two way worse than they need to be, right? Like, you can't do anything about two of them. But the one you can do something about affects that one and the other two, right? And the fact that life is a freaking mirror. It's a reflection of your belief system in operation. Belief about three things. You, the world, other people, right? And the interconnection between the two. So we can believe whatever we want. Okay, You can believe whatever you want. I make this reference, martial arts reference all the time. You can believe that gravity doesn't work or that gravity is an illusion. But if I sweep your legs, it's going to be a hard... <laughs> it's not the fall, right? What's that old saying? It's not the fall. It's that quick, sudden stop at the end. Right. <laughs> anyway. All right. So um, did you share the, the thing for the Thursday free training? Yes. I put the link in the chat. Okay. And as a quick, as another reminder, right. No point in trying to sign in before 15 minutes before, you know, 20, if you're bored, right. But signing in early does not make Scotty beam me down and start the training early. <laughs> it is not a pre-recorded webinar. It's a live webinar. Contrary to popular belief, living in an Amazon Prime, Deliver Yesterday, Netflix, YouTube world, I have a life outside of doing all this teaching. I, I think maybe, maybe it's just my ego being biased, but I think I give away a lot of free stuff. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> wow. I spent a lot of time with my students. But if you think you're going to send me an email at 1.30 in the morning, no, not that I don't send emails to my students at 1.30 in the morning, but I, I have other things I need to work on, right? Like making sure the damn system is working, um, making sure that my um, my life, as a matter of fact, I have three gifts uh, to give my wife today's my wedding anniversary, and here I am spending it with you. But then again, my wife was teaching a university class too, so we already do our thing, right? But um, I, I I have that life too, right? Okay, I like James enough to have conversations with him a couple of times a week. 
His girlfriend, not so much, but anyway. <laughs> She's a student, too. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, uh, James, do we have anything else? Other comments, complaints, weird people sending things? Uh, any other thing I saw was David had put in a quote from Hunter S. Thompson that said, he that is taught only by himself has a fool for a master. Hmm. That's very similar to the lawyer thing, right? Mm. He who has himself as a lawyer, right? Has a fool for a client. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about that one. Mm. <laughs> if it's if it's a toss up between me defending myself and a public defender who's getting like 50 bucks just to make sure I get a fair trial and uh, I'll I'll choose me, right? It's also why I have lawyers for friends, too. So anyway, all right. Uh, I think that's it. So um, uh, what are we doing next week? I think next week we're talking. I was going to be this week. I was going to be talking about the red, poop, red pill, blue pill um, decision process. For those of you who understand the, the matrix reference that I'm making, we're going to talk about this in every in everything from uh, decision. It's really about decision making. Right. Um, on the floor practicing different techniques, choice of technique, all kinds of things, right? Um, because there's a whole crux to it. Uh, a bunch of years ago, I did a commentary. I wrote a commentary on the 13 chapters in Sun Tzu's Art of War. And what I did was I rewrote the, the commentary, came at it from a different, I, I, I just shifted the perspective a little bit. Because the art of war is a treatise for generals who are commanding armies. And uh, for those of you who are on audio only, you won't be able to see this. I'll, I'll describe it. Okay. So, but the way I wrote the commentary was from a first person, you, general, right? I'm pointing to my head, right? Brain, general, commanding, pointing at, um, you know, highlighting the rest of my body, right? Your army. Okay. And, uh, uh, the, the whole idea being that you know, every decision we make, right. Okay. And that might be, that might be a good time for me to take just a, a really quick, brief kind of walk through that. Um, uh, the, Jusan Butsu, the 13 Buddhism Bodhisattvas. And again, it's, it, these are symbolic references, right? So don't get all freaked out like I'm trying to convert you to some kind of demonology. As a matter of fact, that was a response I got back when I posted something about last week's. Uh, did you see that? I posted something yeah. about the, the webinar, right? And um, somebody posted demonology. Or no, instead of Buddhism, demonism, right? And people have like this one... It's just, you know, blank is the answer kind of thing, right? And then they get pissed off at me when I go, really? What's for dinner? Right? They want to apply the answer to any question, right? Blank is the answer. To what? Well, to any question, to any question, to any, any problem. Oh, what's for dinner? Because I hope your answer isn't what we're having for dinner because some of you would end up being cannibals. Right. So 
Um, but again, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just there's a there's there's a simple simplified way of approaching everything. But you know what they say, right? If all you have is a is a hammer, right? Every problem is a nail, right? It's the same problem with having favorite techniques. That's your favorite technique. Guess what you're going to be worried about all the time? Trying to jump on that, looking for and waiting for the opportunity for that to happen. What if it doesn't? Well, I, okay. I have a word for that music industry. One hit wonders. Okay. So, <laughs> wait, that was a pun. One hit one. Never, never mind. Anyway. All right. So, anyway, that's what I have. Is that, is that it for everybody? Yes, that was it. All right. And, and I'm sure everybody else is just saying hi, right? Few people, but that was yeah. pretty much it. As they would say in Japan, hola, if you're a Spanish speaker in Japan. So anyway, um, that's it. That's all I have. Uh, James, any, were there any other admin things that I forgot that we need to toss out before uh, we wrap this up? Spring camp's next month. Spring camp is next month, May 19th, 20th, and 21st. We have virtual options. Right. Uh, the only page we have set up for that is on the events page, right? Online Ninja Academy dot com forward slash yeah. events. OK. And then we have uh, uh, shooting seminars coming up in, at the end of June. We'll be posting about those. And then pretty soon we'll be releasing the information about fall camp and Dicomio Sci. Fall camp is at the end of September and Dicomio Sci is the first weekend after the new year. Right. Uh, that weekend of, I think, the sixth, seventh and eighth, something like that of 24. Oh shit. And we're going to Japan, right? Um, from the 4th to the 18th of, uh, September. Right. Um, which, uh, what it looks like now, based on the way I normally do things with my Japan trips, when I get back, um, within a couple of weeks, I do what I call a Japan recap seminar. And so it highlights some things that we learned in Japan and we did and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, different techniques, things we learned from different instructors. Um, but it's also a data dump for me because at about a week and a half in, my brain goes into Zen mode and there is no taking notes or anything. I mean, it just, and then that allows me to kind of have a release and like all this shit starts flooding out and I can get more notes out and whatnot. But, um, based on scheduling and all that, um, fall camp, the theme for fall camp will probably be the Japan recap, right? So we'll be highlighting different things that, uh, I learned in Japan or we. Right. Um, so for those interested in going, there are eight slots available and uh, and uh, probably next week I will be doing a uh, a virtual meeting. Right. Um, to explain the trip, uh, how you could do a week if you can't do the whole two weeks kind of thing, how that works. Um, all the details I'll be showing different things like a Japan rail pass and um, you know, train ticket and stuff like that. Right. Anybody that signs up for it. Um, then we will have regular ongoing complimentary that part of your trip, right? Uh, classes to make sure nobody freaking embarrasses anybody else while they're in Japan. I'm only saying that because it's happened, right? So we're going to cover etiquette and culture and stuff like that. Um, so that we will not be seen like typical foreign tourists and your trip will be way more enjoyable. Okay. So, now is that it? I think so. Yes. Oh, and David, um, 
I, the one about Bojutsu, right? Sorry, David, I forgot your last name. Um, he threatened me over the phone and said I had to do a uh, an introductory Longstaff seminar and maybe a sword thing, too. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> we just brought it up with a weekend seminar. So um, one of those will be going on the schedule pretty soon as well. Right. So see, David, come my student. I just throw you under the bus <laughs> just like that. That's all right. He was Army infantry. So. Right. Latch on and go along for the ride. Right. That's it. That's all I have. So, uh, if you know, I have these uh, topics scheduled out like next week, red, blue, blue, red pill, blue pill. And I know most people are voice hearers, so they're OK with whatever I want to teach. Anything's fine since hey, I'm here for the whole thing. Yeah, but you're a ninja, so you should be controlling the process and tailoring your damn training. So if there's a topic you want to be taught on, if you want clarification, if you want my take on something or whatever, then, you know, email us, send that stuff in. Right. And um, we'll get it on the schedule. Okay. Simple. If I think it's something that's not like doesn't have a broad enough appeal, then I'll just either way, you're going to get an answer to it. Okay. So that's it. So um, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and I'll talk to everybody again next week on Warrior, uh, not Warriors Whiteboard Wednesday. This is Kuden. All right. I'll see you then. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.